Hi, I'm Katie Kramer, President and CEO of the Betcher Foundation. Welcome to Colorado Leadership Stories, where we talk to everyday, courageous leaders who have made transformational impacts in their communities and are building a better state for everyone. You'll hear from leaders and organizations and communities throughout the state as we explore the idea that leadership is an activity that anyone can do. Today, we're talking to Don DePrince, a Colorado community champion who leads one of our state's oldest cultural institutions. As the president and CEO of History Colorado, Don oversees an organization that offers 11 inspiring museums and historic sites that ignite the imaginations for people of all ages. Established in 1879, History Colorado is a 501c3 charitable organization that is a trusted leader in helping people understand what it means to be a Coloradan by sharing powerful stories, honoring our state's treasured memories, and creating vibrant communities. Dawn, it's great to see you, and welcome to Colorado Leadership Stories. Thank you, Katie. As we typically do, we're going to start with some personal questions about your own leadership story before we learn about the inspiring work of History Colorado. So let's dive into that. From learning about your background, Don, I know we've known each other a number of years. I know you're a Coloradan like me, and I think you're fourth generation, isn't that right? That's right, right, four generations. Man, well, start us off by telling us about your life, your leadership journey, and growing up in the Arkansas Valley. Yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. Yes, I am fourth generation Coloradan, and in many ways, more than that, a fourth generation Southern Coloradan. Mm -hmm. But I will say my family has been here for six generations in this beautiful place that we call home. Most of that has been in Pueblo. Uh, My family came to work in in the mill, in the still mill, and then moved into agriculture. But I grew up in La Junta, which is not far from Pueblo. My parents were teachers. And it was just a pure, magical place to grow up. And I feel like so much of what I've learned about leadership really came from those early years of being in La Junta. You know, there were so many great models of what it was like to be a woman leader. And not in all the traditional ways that you might think, that you might picture, you know, wearing a suit and all of those things. But I'm talking about women just seem to run all the things, right? The church bazaar and pulling together when somebody needed extra help. There's so many good examples of women rising to the occasion quietly, efficiently pulling people together, doing community engagement way before we used that language, showing up when the community needed them most, and and really not being afraid of any obstacles. Like there's like a fearlessness or a, we can just do that. You know, you just felt like nobody was going to tell you no. And I really feel like growing up there, I would come up with crazy ideas and people would just say yes. <laughs> so, you know, it was a gift uh, to grow up in an environment like that. That's wonderful. La Hunt is a special place. I have family from that region as well. And was there visiting recently. And maybe talk about some of the transformation that you've seen from those days when you're um, growing up to what it's like now. Yeah, you know, this interesting community. Of course, when I was growing up, you know, the train most, mm-hmm. you know, there was it was a big part of the economy was the train. You know, there were more factories. There were, you know, cattle was also really big. 
part of the economy and you've just seen some of that shift over time, you know, in the way you see these impacts uh, of the larger culture and economy happening in rural communities uh, across the country, but in particularly on the eastern plains of Colorado. And so, you know, I, I'm always carry this in my heart of thinking about what are all the ways that we can support and continue these vibrant traditions that uh, define our rural Colorado places. I love that. So before History Colorado, your career involved writing and producing and teaching. But I know that when you were younger, you didn't necessarily think you were going to have a career in history as your career choice. Why was that? And when did you know that this was the path for you? Yeah, well, I mean, one of the interesting things about the things you just listed, right, they're all storytelling, and history is storytelling. Mm. But I didn't realize that as a kid. You know, I thought history was this thing with a big capital H, and it was very formal, and it wasn't about me, it wasn't for me. There was nothing I could necessarily relate to when I learned about it. It felt very old and dusty and chronological. Um <laughs> But what I didn't know is like all the things that I loved, you know, going to my auntie's house to hear old stories or learning how to carry on a family tradition. Like that's actually history. Those are the things I love. And so the way I was defining history is is what has changed. It's like this was always near and dear to my heart. I just didn't realize it. I love that. Walk us through that leadership journey from some of those different careers, um, you're in La Junta, then now you're here in, in Denver. Talk about that space between, um, about that leadership journey as you're figuring that out. Yeah, well, you know, as somebody who loves history, I will start in the beginning. <laughs> uh, I was always, you know, I'm like the oldest daughter, the biggest sister. Uh, so always showing up in that you know, what we used to call bossy, but now we say is leadership. But I was always organizing the neighborhood, the neighborhood block parties. I ran my own little neighborhood Bible school. I tried to build my own museum in my backyard. So I was always doing those kinds of things. And like I said, nobody ever told me no. So I just kept doing it. And then, you know, I tried a bunch of different uh, careers through throughout that time. Uh, but I will say I'm always one of those people that uh, feels the urge to to participate um, and uh, help. And then, you know, sometimes like these are those informal leadership moments, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it is figuring out what to do about some issue in the community um, that people are concerned about. So I would say most of my leadership throughout the years was really defined in these pretty informal spaces and finding ways to uh, engage community, bring community together. So again, not in that kind of traditional way you might picture, but in this really grassroots from the from the roots um, sort of way of, of getting involved. And it's interesting, you know, I think about I was part of the Ludlow Centennial Commemoration Commission, even before I came to History Colorado, my my husband always would joke that I was the world's most professional volunteer. I just would, I would just show up and and volunteer for things that I really cared about, and that really helped. I think put me on a leadership track, even though that wasn't necessarily what I was looking for. Right. Well, I do want to talk about History Colorado, and you know I'm a 
Colorado kid and a lover of history. I'm actually one of your docents as well. Um, And just thinking I've got to put this to work in my own volunteer life. And I just love so much about the mission of what you do. Uh, So I would just like you to talk about history, Colorado. It's been around a long time. And I think there's people don't understand the breadth and depth of what you do beyond just even sometimes just the building that's on Broadway. So tell us about the organization. Yeah, as you mentioned earlier, History Colorado has been around since 1879. So we're 144 years old, which is a very long time. We're almost as old as the state of Colorado itself. And we were really designed to be the official stewards of Colorado's memory. And that is an important job. We were set up to be the keepers of the state's historic collection. And then, of course, that grew over time into museums. We are really proud to run uh, the state historic uh Uh, preservation fund. Um, We do all sorts of work in the preservation space. So those are a number of things that we do, but I will tell you what motivates us um, as an organization. We don't even, in many ways, we don't even think of it as an organization. We, We like to talk about it as a movement. We really, really believe that history has the power to heal, transform, make whole. And so we think it should be everywhere. We want to bring everyone along with us. You know, I often say, like, everyone belongs in this grand human story that is what we call Colorado. We think that we need history in our present. We need history in our future. We're really motivated to build these robust understandings. We feel very strongly about reconciling and reconciliation. And uh, we try to do it with a fearlessness, you know, we want to show up. We show up for community. We show up. We lead. We follow where the evidence leads us. And sometimes that uh, can be heavy and hard. But we think all of that is part of part of the journey that uh, history can provide. And I always think about it. You know, even when we're illuminating the darkest chapters of of our shared history that that really is how we light the path to the future. I heard a speaker once said this beautiful thing that it's like when we can face the past, we really can free the future. Mm -hmm. And I believe that wholeheartedly. And so all of our programs, museums, those are tools that we enact to be able to do exactly this. I love that. I love it. And you've been the president and CEO in this role for a few years now. But when I know when we first met, you were on staff at one of the local museums. And so I, I wanted you to talk about the community museums and historic sites, because I think that that's one thing that people don't understand about your work. So tell us about that um, as well. Yeah, so I have been the president and CEO for two years plus, but been part of History Colorado for 11 years. And that started as the assistant director of the El Pueblo History Museum, which is one of our beloved community museums. And and in that time, you know, I then moved up to director. I started overseeing all of our community museums throughout the state. And one of the questions I asked myself was, why, why do we have these museums across the state? 
you know, people had thought like they're really good to serve tourists, but I it just that didn't make sense to me. Like tourism is great and we can we can meet that need. But if we're going to have museums across the state, that tells me they they should be designed to serve the communities where they exist. So we made a pretty significant shift when I was uh, leading our community museum team that we would think of our primary audience as our community. And we knew if we were dynamic for the people who lived there, that tourists would come too. And so a number of programs that we initiated, whether it's our hands-on history program was something we developed at Pueblo, which helps meet the needs of working families who, you know, when their kids are not in school, many school districts in the state of Colorado only have a four-day school week. And so we use hands-on history to fill that fifth day of education and build this incredible future of history lovers and history protectors. You know, that's a perfect example. We're really providing childcare in places that don't have it, but we're using it as a tool to uplift and, and help young people feel connected. So that's a good example of how what it looks like to use history and these tools that are museums to meet a community need first. Absolutely. And go into a little more detail too about the breadth of the community museums. I know I was in Montrose last summer. We spent some time at the museum, which is incredible. Uh, but there's so many. So um, I'm not going to expect you to remember all of them oh, off well, the I top. Just... You probably do. You're the boss there. But I would love to, for you to talk about some of those so people know. Yeah, well, we have this incredible museum in Montrose, the U Indian Museum. It's run by the delightful C.J. Bradford. She has been there for over 25 years running that museum. Uh, The exhibition that is there was done in deep consultation with the three Ute tribes. So this really reflects their history and not just their history, but their continuing living culture. And as, you know, as told through the ways that they wish for it to be told. Then if you come east a little bit, we've got Fort Garland Museum and Cultural Center in the town of Fort Garland, which is in, of course, everyone's favorite place, the San Luis Valley. And uh, this uh, particular site, these are the oldest buildings owned by the state of Colorado, but it is going through a pretty magnificent transformation. One of our exhibitions there is called Unsilenced, and it looks at the painful history around indigenous captivity in southern Colorado and northern New Mexico. People from all over have come to to see this to see this installation and it has even been featured in the New York Times. We just opened an exhibition there called Revision which is an artistic exploration of the Buffalo Soldier in the American West through the lens of eight artists from from all over the country. And so they're just doing phenomenal work. They were actually uh, just uh, recognized recently by the Institute of Museum and Library Science as nominated for the the National Medal of Museum Service, which is something that very proudly a few years earlier, El Pueblo was also on that short list. And I always like to explain to people that isn't because they're just hand these out. These are actually, this is really hard to get. This is very rare recognition, but that just demonstrates the level of incredible work that our teams are doing. We have an incredible museum campus really in Trinidad. It is five buildings on a citywide block that everything from the uh, Bloom Mansion, and we've also got uh, what I consider 
the best artifact in our entire collection, which is the Baca House. It's this two-story, incredible adobe structure that it's just a beautiful site. Heritage Gardens, Santa Fe Trail, history told through a borderlands land. All of those things can be seen in Trinidad. We have in Leadville, the Healy House. They just opened a great exhibit called Unearthed, which was really around the Irish miners, many who died uh, unnamed. And Professor uh, Jim Walsh has spent the last number of years uh, learning all of those names and helped to a uh, fuel the creation of a, a monument to all of those miners and the museum there helps to tell that story. And then here in Denver, we have the Center for Colorado uh, Women's History, which is finding all sorts of new ways to uh, talk about the history of women and all of their contributions in the state. Well, that's I wanted to talk about that. I'm so glad you mentioned that because um, like me, I know that that's something that you're passionate about. And I so I would like to hear some of what of those stories that you're um, hoping to tell about women in leadership and things that maybe inspire you as a leader. Yeah, of course, this is very near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this was something I cared about even as a very young child. I was very attuned to gender inequality and gender difference and was always on the lookout for it. But again, this is a, one of the ways that history felt like it wasn't for me. It, it very often did not tell women's history at all. And so one of the things that I really wanted to do was think about how we bring women into the story. One example that I love so much uh, has been part of our Borderlands of Southern Colorado initiative, both at El Pueblo History Museum and the History Colorado Center, if you walk into that exhibit, you will just see this wall of women. Um, and oftentimes when people think about the American West, they don't think about women at all. Maybe they think about a school teacher who, who comes West, but there were women who were already here, showing up in incredible uh, leadership-like ways. Um, you know, I love Teresita Sandoval. She was one of the founders of El Pueblo in 1842. Uh, really an incredible leader and matriarch. Uh, you know, uh, Amache Ochini Prowers and Romalda Luna Boggs. They are the foundation of Boggsville, which is an incredible historic site in Bent County. One of the stories uh, that we learned from the community is about Dona Bernarda Velasquez. She has this incredible story where she was a medic in Pancho Villa's army. <laughs> And then uh, comes north to what is the Pueblo area, is a midwife, de delivers over 3,000 babies. Um, and when you think about what it means to be a community builder, I'm, I just keep thinking, if you're delivering 3,000 babies, <laughs> like that is a way to build a community. So we just have done, we've tried really hard to bring these stories forward, make them visible. And I was just in Boggsville two weeks ago, and there's something just really special about that place to me. Um, you can see the ruts of the, of the Santa Fe Trail come through there. There are these beautiful grasses. You see the home of Amache Ochini Prowers, who is a Cheyenne woman. The house of Romalda Luna Boggs, this Hispano woman. And I just feel so in touch with them as also, you know, a girl who grew up in southeastern Colorado. There's something really compelling about that space. Uh, and I, it just, it's like a reminder of how we need to make sure that we are telling these stories too. 
I love it. Thank you so much for doing that. And Colorado has a big anniversary birthday coming up here. You mentioned that at the beginning. So two years, right, away from the important milestone of 150 years of statehood. And in preparation for that day, I know you've been working on this project. In fact, the Veteran Foundation just gave you a grant to work on it, which we're very proud of relative to Colorado Heritage for All. So talk about that initiative, your community approach, and how you think this can be a national model. Yeah, so we are gearing up to celebrate uh, Colorado's 150th birthday is also because we're the centennial state, the 250th birthday of the Declaration of Independence. But we're the luckiest state we get we get to have two celebrations. And part of what we're thinking about is, okay, Colorado has been around for 150 years, what do we want to make sure is still around the 300 year mark when we're looking at another 150 years. So in the the summer of 2020, we did an audit of both the state and national historic registers for Colorado sites. And what we found on the Colorado State Register is that it was shockingly exclusionary. And this is something that we administer, but we discovered that less than 4% of the historic sites that are on the state register relate to the history of Black, Indigenous, Latino, Asian American history as well as women's history and LGBTQ plus history. So only 3.6% of the sites that we have listed, that's a pretty shocking number. So we set about a pretty ambitious initiative to add 150 sites that ensure that we are preserving things that are much more representative of the whole of Colorado. We intend to be adding sites that represent exactly this kind of history so we can make sure that the state register is really, you know, representative of of what all that is Colorado. And we made some pretty great strides already. One of the things I'm really excited about is just this August, we added the mural in the town of San Luis named Sierra y Colores to the National Register. This is the first time in the whole country that a Chicano mural has been added to the National Register. So I think there are a lot of ways in which um, we're already uh, leading, leading this work. One of the things that we are also doing is this program called Museum of Memory. It's something I started even before I came to History Colorado, where it really is we go into community and we learn history directly from the people who have lived it. And this is very, again, grassroots. This is not, we're not talking to organizations, we are talking to people who live there or who have lived there. And we get history from their their knowledge. And what we learn in all of those conversations is, is exactly these sites. These sites start emerging that maybe have not been on our radar. And so, the work that we've been doing around Museum of Memory um, will easily feed into our ability to build uh, a state register that is really reflective of, of the whole of Colorado's history. Love that. Um, give us an example of some things that you're uncovering. Like- yeah, yeah. So one of, one of my favorite things, um, we did a Museum of Memory project in the Salt Creek community mm. of, of Pueblo County, which is not maybe a place everybody knows. It is just east of the city of Pueblo. It is at the base of the still mill. And this is a longtime Mexican-American community. And one of the things that is so interesting about it is that the still mill 
would dump hot slag, which is a byproduct of still production, onto the neighborhood every every night. And people told stories about how, you know, they would just, it became a part of their lives. But what, it, of course, it also did was it ruined the water. You know, they talk about going to school and crossing the black water. But this, it feels like a miraculous thing, is that there actually is a natural spring of clean water, the Ojito. And people would go there to gather water. It was like this, this horrible environmental degradation was happening. But then there was this like beautiful gift of an ojito that provided clean water and also provided community. And they built things up around it. But that's exactly the kind of thing that should be on the state register. So we're, we're working on that. We're working to figure out how we can make that happen. Those are the kinds of things that don't always, you know, live in historical archives or are documented, except for within a community. You can only learn about it if you are talking to the right people. And, you know, when we're, we're talking to folks, they don't know what the state register is. This is like, this is our little, you know, industry geeky world. But uh, so part of that is also building those bridges. And you know, there are a bunch of really important symbolic reasons to making sure that the state register is, is whole. But also there is material benefit to being on the state register. This is how you get access to state historic fund dollars. This is how you get access to state tax credits. If you are also on the national register, you get access to national uh, preservation tax credits. So there is benefit to being on the list. And when we, when the list is exclusionary, there's also material consequence to not being on it. Um, so we feel very motivated to, to change that and make sure like in another 150 years, these beloved places are still, are still here. Well, I'm so grateful you're telling those stories and it brings inclusion from all over this state. So in all the ways. So thank you for that good work. We're going to turn it back to you for the for the last question. And then there's a lightning round. Okay, but we're getting yes. close. Uh, we're going to turn it back to you as a leader. You are the third woman to lead the organization and the first president and CEO from Southern Colorado. When you think about your impact that you want to have on this organization coming from this place of passion as a storyteller, as a woman, what, how are you going to measure your impact and your success in your role at History Colorado? Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a hard question. Mm -hmm. Um, It's hard to measure some of these things, right? Um, I think probably in ways that a people understand that history is an important part of our future. And we, we actually can't build an equitable future without understanding our history. I want people to know that uh, that they belong. You know, we, we hear from people all the time that they haven't always felt like History Colorado was for them, kind of in the same exact way I felt about history as I was growing up. So we're trying to break down those barriers. We really, you know, we're making some pretty significant strides. Um, in making sure that people know that they belong. We want to make sure that the state's collection is truly representative of all of these histories. We're working on that pretty heartily right now. Hired a number of uh, specialized curators to, to make that happen. We want to make sure, again, that beloved places are still, are still around. Uh, I always think about this. In my mind, this work is really like a solemn commitment to our ancestors, whether there are 
familial ancestors or our community ancestors, but also a commitment, right, to our descendants. Again, familial or community uh, descendants, Mm -hmm. that we have done all the right things so that they inherit the beautiful things that our ancestors have built. We can't lose these things on our watch. So while I don't know how to exactly measure all of those things, those are the contributions that I hope after who knows how long History Colorado is known for. Oh, love it. Past, present, and future. Love it. Okay, this is your lightning round. Yes. So what is your favorite Colorado hobby? Okay, this is going to sound very weird, but it's really around uh, traditional food practices. Yes. So that, I know it's surprising. I, you know, I think about whether it's like foraging for choke cherries or raspberries or pinon or, you know, putting up roasted chilies. We just put up three bushels of roasted Pueblo mm-hmm. chilies and uh, made ristras with uh, fresh chilies. My, my husband likes to hunt and we make Italian sausage out of the venison he brings home, canned beans, baked bread and ornos, like all of those things. That is one of my favorite ways of being a Coloradan. I love it. I'm coming over to your house. <laughs> Anytime. Wait, waiting for my invitation. <laughs> I love it. Okay. And this one feels, I don't know what you're going to say for this, but what is your favorite Colorado landmark knowing the state as you do so yes. deeply? Do you have um, a favorite? Yeah, it's it's really hard always to say favorite. So I'm going to say two. Of course, the still mill. There's just like a majesty to to the still mill in, mm-hmm. in Pueblo. It feels like some industrial castle that brought my family here. So that is very special. And then I also love, love the Wahatoyas or the Spanish Peaks in uh, Huerfano County. Uh, just very, I, I'm like proud of them. <laughs> Do you know? Like they're <laughs> yes. so beautiful and they represent this part of the world that I'm from. I, I just love them. I, whenever I can see them, I know I'm close to home. Oh, great. Okay, what action hero do you most identify with? So this is also going to sound a little strange, but it's Dr. Strange. And I love uh, Dr. Strange. I'm always jealous that he can like read while he's sleeping. Mm-hmm. That feels like a pretty good superpower. Mm-hmm. And then also just his ability to to move through time, um, which is what I feel like I, That's what you I do. Professionally. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. Okay. And then what are you currently binging? Um, show, book, podcast, what are you reading, thinking about, watching? Yeah, so I'm reading this really incredible book called The Maniac. Mm-hmm. And it is it just came out. I like the author very much, but I can't remember quite his name. But it is about the history of these scientists that come to America, many of them fleeing the rise of Hitler and, and Nazism. Uh, they come to America and do a number of, you know, transformational innovations and sometimes not always transformational for the good, right? Um, We're talking about scientists that were a part of the Manhattan Project, but also those are the same scientists that start really this compute, like building computers. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, many of the things that they did in the 40s and 50s, uh, we benefit from today including um, like mRNA, which were, you know, part of the vaccine that just was so saving to all of us during uh, these COVID dark days. And, you know, and then also they're found, you know, things that they did way back when are foundational to some of the maybe more scary things around like artificial intelligence and, and AI. But it's just fascinating to look at how transformational a group of scientists could be. Hmm. 
and how the reverberations of their discoveries uh, continue to today. Very interesting. You do not disappoint, Don. <laughs> that was so interesting. And I hope that our listeners just jump into continuing to learn from your your good work and the stories that you're continuing to tell. So thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Katie. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining Colorado Leadership Stories, where we hope to inspire the next generation of Colorado community builders, doers, and difference makers. Colorado Leadership Stories is presented by the Betcher Foundation. The Betcher Foundation supports Colorado by empowering leaders and communities with tools to tackle challenges and pursue opportunities, building a better state for everyone. With an 85-plus year legacy of giving back, we're committed to amplifying our impact for future generations. That's the spirit of Betcher.